Welcome back to another episode of the Hatchets Weekly News Podcast, Getting to the Bottom of It. I'm Alec Rich. So today marks the first day of classes for the new academic year, and it's certainly a milestone for the campus community given how long students have waited for an in-person return. But as Foggy Bottom fully comes back to life over the next few weeks, the elephant in the room remains, with that of course being COVID-19. Like many other universities across the country, GW has put in place several procedures for students, faculty, and staff to ensure everyone's safety, and we'll get into some of those later. But the question is, will it be enough to prevent infections across the community this semester? The Delta variant has also been particularly front of mind for people as of late, given its significant spread amongst those who are unvaccinated. Other ideas like individuals following mass mandates correctly and booster shots have also come back into the fold as GW gets underway in person. So that's why on today's episode, I'll be asking some of those lingering questions to Dr. Georges Benjamin, Executive Director of the American Public Health Association and the former Secretary of the Department of Health and Mental Hygiene for the state of Maryland. Dr. Benjamin, thanks so much for being here. I'm glad I could be here with you. So just to jump right in, since we've got a lot to cover, first wanted to make note of the fact that you know, GW has mandated vaccines for the entire campus community. We're requiring massive doors and we're conducting monthly testing. But even with all that, how big of a threat do you think the Delta variant and COVID-19 at large poses to the campus community this semester? Well, you know, it's, it's all about risk. And uh, certainly what we're seeing with, with the, um, with the uh, elementary schools um, children is that um, it was very important as you measure their whole health and well-being for them to be back in school. Uh, and the infectious risk, of course, is one part of that. Uh, as we get as we, the older folks ourselves, you know, in, in, in um, universities and colleges, um, you know, there, there's always going to be some risk. There's going to be somebody that's going to get infected. But the, the truth of the matter is, is that vaccination is um, highly impactful. It will prevent you from getting um, really sick and dying in almost every case. Uh, and there may be some breakthrough infections. We are seeing breakthrough infections, but, you know, they're less than 1%. Um, now, that's probably a, a, an undercount. It's probably a little bit higher than that. Um, so I think the, the short answer is, yes, there is some risk, but there's also the importance of engaging other people to trying to get our um, um, society back up and running to the extent that we can near normal. And there's a, there's a health and a mental health and a societal value in that as well. Right. And in terms of just talking through the breakthrough cases, if there are some here and there, is there anything that GW can do aside from isolating the individual and your housing per se to make sure that cases don't begin to rise? Well, you know, like any uh, infectious disease outbreak on a, um, uh, on a college uh, university campus, you have to have a disease infection control management plan. Uh, and so that's gonna be the most important thing, whether this is a case of COVID or a case of measles or a case of meningitis. Uh, the, the infection control plan involves um, rapidly identifying and providing the, the appropriate um, medical care for that individual, doing the contact tracing and testing that is necessary, engaging with the, um, in, in the case of Washington, D.C., the um, city health department. And if this happens to involve Maryland or Virginia uh, in particular, to involve the state health departments that also may be involved. Um, again, to do the appropriate contact tracing, testing, and in some cases, maybe vaccinating or revaccinating around that outbreak. Uh, so it, it is going to require a, a good solid plan. And we know that you have a good school health service. And I, my expectations is that that plan is in place. Right. And do you think that monthly testing is enough? Or do you think that more or less is needed? 
You know, one of the things I learned as a physician is um, you test for very specific reasons and doing um, more tests, particularly when a test is not 100 percent, you're going to get false positives, and you're going to get false negatives. So we need to make sure that people test with the periodicity that provides the degree of security that you're trying to look for um, and not over test and certainly not under test. Uh, a, it, um, um, it's expensive if you are doing tests that don't give you any additional value. Uh, and it also can create real problems. Imagine what happens when you get a false positive test. Uh, and that person then gets um, um, isolated or quarantined depending on um, their particular situation and the lost time from class, et cetera. That's tough to make up for a test that turns out in, at the end not to have been accurate. So we do have to balance the, those two. And you know, some businesses are doing um, weekly testing. Some businesses are doing um, bi-weekly testing, so twice a week. Uh, and some businesses uh, are not testing at all because uh, they feel that you know masking and social distancing is adequate. And they're making a big point. And I think above all, the most important thing is if you have symptom symptoms at all, you know, don't go to work, don't go to school, stay in your dorm, you know, call your doctor and, 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 um, and, you know, isolate yourself until you can figure out what it is. I also wanted to mention in terms of the administrative response to certain things such, such as a breakthrough case, how would you kind of advise officials to go about that process in terms of trying to reduce community panic as much as possible if there does happen to be some, some breakthrough cases? Communication and transparency is everything. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when you have it, um, first of all, you ought to have a plan for what, what you do and how your, your basic communication is going to be, who's going to be the communicator, how you're going to share that, you know, engaging both the campus, the community, and families is going to be a, a part of that process. Uh, and then making sure that the communications that you give are, um, you know, um, correct, timely, shown with empathy. And um, again, as transparent as you possibly can and tell people what you know, tell them what you don't know and tell them when you'll get back to them when you have more information. It's gonna be very important as part of that communication so that people don't panic. Look, we already have enough people out there afraid even without the misinformation and disinformation. So we need to do everything we can to tamp down on the, the, the fear that's out of proportion to what the risk is. Almost on the opposite end of that, how do you think professors or the university, the university at large should handle students who don't necessarily want to obey the school's indoor mask mandate? Yeah, well, you got to treat people fairly and equally uh, as part of that. And, you know, it's no different than um, a student or faculty member breaking any of the other school rules. Um, as a society, we do well when we have rules that are equitable and just, and we follow those rules. And so um, doing an appropriate level of counseling or discipline, again, appropriate to the infraction, is going to be an essential component of doing that. You also brought up the mental health aspect earlier. And so are there things the university officials can do or professors even to help ease the transition to campus life for students following you know, so much time away from campus, especially considering that we now have two classes of students who have never been to campus before? You know, that's, that, the fact that you have people that have never been to campus before, um, it's kind of like their, you know, their freshman year, even though they may be a sophomore. Yeah. Uh, and I think that has to be acknowledged as part of the transition plans. Uh, we have to assume that you have people who are, are actually having the high school to college experience 
even though they may very well be a sophomore. Uh, and we're gonna have to provide the emotional support. That means the resident um, um, folks that they're managing the dorms or the frat houses um, um, are gonna have to be better informed on how to handle that kind of stuff. And it, I think in many ways, it means that um, people are going to have to recognize that while a person may be a sophomore, um, their behavior on campus may very well be that of a freshman. And so people just have to build that into their, their, um, their processes, giving people a little bit more time, giving them a lot more information that you, they would normally have given them. I remember that when, I think when, when I know when I went to school and I, so I'm sure when you went to school, we got lots of pieces of paper and those pieces of paper didn't come real till we actually, actually saw the cafeteria. We actually saw um, the classroom. We actually saw where we had to go or how we had to commute to school or what our room actually looked like. Uh, that, didn't, that didn't become real until we actually saw it and experienced it. And so I think in many ways, we have to recognize that new students and students who have been in school for a year but not on campus are going to have that new acclimation experience, and they just need time to do that. Almost as part of that, I want to get your view as far as GW not granting a virtual option for students or a hybrid option for students this semester, since we are all in person. How do you view that shift? Yeah, I think, I think the um, part of the, the transition process we're all going to have to go through is the fact that um, it took us a while to figure out how to do virtual education and virtual engagement. Uh, and by the way, for many people, that was pretty traumatic. Um, some of it was just logistically traumatic, but now that they got it, um, it's going to be also traumatic going back the old way. Um, look, I can tell you that um, I just started going back myself into our offices uh, about a month ago. And what I can tell you is my first couple of days, um, I left stuff at home. I forgot codes to things to get into parts of the building. Um, I had to go back and look at things. I had to make phone calls. Um, it was like I was going to a new job. And again, people need to give themselves the time um, to, um, to adjust. And I think instructors are gonna to have to do the same thing um, for their students. And, but realize at the end of the day, for and particularly at, at the George Washington University, um, you folks have piloted distance learning for several years. Um, and so the ability, if you had to, to pivot to distance learning, um, in an emergency, if there's an outbreak and stuff like that. Um, I think George Washington University, one of the schools that'll be able to do it very quickly um, if you had to do it in an emergency and revert back. Right. And so I guess on that point, do you think with everything in place right now, GW can remain in person this semester if things go according to plan? You know, I think we're all crossing our fingers and hoping so. Mm -hmm. I think the, the wild card here is what Delta does because it is surprised a lot of people and whether or not we get a new variant. Um, that has surprised a lot of people. And uh, I think at the end of the day, um, we're, gonna, we're gonna live through ambiguity for some time and we're gonna have to become a lot more comfortable with ambiguity. At least I know I am. How does that play into as far as booster shots as well? Do you think those might become necessary? Well, we, we, know, that, we know that they're gonna be giving boosters. Um, that, that is now a yeah. federal recommendation. Um, at least from the administrative side. Mm -hmm. I anticipate both the FDA and the Advisory Committee for Immunization Practices um, will recommend boosters. The question will be for whom, uh, at what periodicity, 
and at least for kids, what dose once they once they get to kids. So we don't know the particulars, but but it, I think the evidence right now is that the uh, immunity does wane um, faster, and so there'll probably be boosters. I think the other big question is is this will this be for all practical purposes for Moderna and the Pfizer vaccines three and done, or will these become an annual requirement, uh, something that we have to do annually? I think we really, really, really don't know the answer to that question yet. But if in that case, you think GW might be you know, a school that would per se mandate that for, for students moving forward? Well, you know, I, I obviously I'm, part, I'm not part of the administration. I can't yeah. predict what they would do, but I can tell you that, that um, the university has been very forward leaning in terms of requirement for vaccinations for students, both domestic students and international students. So my expectation is that once that becomes standard of care, uh, the university will follow what the um, best science is and follow the standard of care. Right. And last, I just wanted to ask, do you think GC will uh, lift the mask mandate prior to Thanksgiving? Do you think that's something that's going to continue moving forward? You know, the mask mandate guidance was um, um, based on the level of spread in the community. And um, we're now beginning to see row, which is the number of people that can be infected by another person. Um, returning to below one, it's, it's um, a little higher than one in, on some measures in the city. And I suspect that once we move back from substantial spread to moderate or mild spread, that the mask mandate will go away. So I don't, this mask mandate uh, as a mandate um, will eventually ebb, probably sooner than later. I think the one question will be, will we now become a mask wearing society? And I, I suspect we now will be. That means that many of us will be wearing masks and what I'm hoping that we will focus on the most is that whether somebody wears a mask or not, that we don't stigmatize people who choose to wear a mask, even though there's not a mask mandate. Dr. Medjman, thanks so much. Okay, thank you. Glad to be here. Getting to the bottom of it is hosted by Alec Rich. It is produced by Sarah Sachs. 